Support for this broadcast of Two Rivers 30 Minutes comes in part from a grant from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. From TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monyoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. State Senator Jim Brewster serves the 45th legislative district, and his district is kind of a, a microcosm of Pennsylvania. Right now, it stretches from the southern border of Allegheny County up through the Mon Valley into the northern Alakiski area of Westmoreland County. But uh, as we're going to talk about here in just a minute, that's going to be changing soon. Uh, good morning, Senator. Good morning, Jason. Thank you for having me. Thank you for taking some time to, to talk with us this morning, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about this redistricting, and I also know that something that has been getting a lot of media attention, and it's on a lot of people's minds, and it's been an issue for as long as I've been alive, actually, is the issue of uh, the state liquor control board and the state-run uh, wine and spirits stores. But before we get to that, your your district, if this redistricting goes through, is going to be changing, I, I, I think you said. You're, you're going to be losing some of those communities that you have, the ones over in Westmoreland County. Yes, I'll be losing the eight. I have 38 communities as, as it exists today, and eight are in Westmoreland County. I will be losing them, and I'll be picking up seven communities in Allegheny County, uh, Homestead, West Homestead, Whitehall, uh, Mon- Monhall, Whitaker, uh, Baldwinboro, uh, and Castle Shannon. And so we'll be a little more compacted. It won't be, as you said earlier, extend from one end of my district to the other. I mean, if you really look at the district and you go from Forward Township up to uh, East Vandergrift, that's a pretty good uh, uh, trip. So, yeah, yeah it's, uh, and it was agreed upon by the majority and minority um, members of the redistricting committee, Senators Ward and, and Costa. So my district was one of the ones this, this time around that was not contentious and not uh, controversial. It was 10 years ago, if you remember, yep. I was the one fellow that uh, took, went to the Supreme Court, and uh, we won the Supreme Court decision not to move the 45th District to uh, the Pocono Mountains. So I was very proud of that. Unfortunately, that didn't come up in the recent election, Jason. It's interesting. All these folks that wanted to, to win this last election, and they went around 10 years ago when I was trying to keep the district here. They would have moved to... Uh, the Poconos, and what would have happened, my district as we know it today, uh, would have been divided probably between three different senators, mm-hmm. which really, one of the things they try to do in the district and should try to do is keep communities together that have like problems, like issues, and, uh, you know, demographics, uh, and, and so, and same with the school districts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the folks that, uh, uh, they didn't care too much about that 10 years ago, but now all of a sudden uh, they're complaining and whining a little bit about the redistricting. I'm a little bit of, at a loss, but uh, that's an aside. That's a, that's an aside. Uh, Se- uh, Senator Brewster's website is a senatorbrewster.com. I'm actually looking at the redistricting maps uh, on uh, Spotlight PA uh, on their website, and um, the, the, the one of the things that 
has been commented on over the past 10 years, especially since 2010, is how some of these districts really did spread out and they were, you know, accused of being gerrymanders. The, the ones that were approved by the by the bipartisan commission, they are what they call compact. I mean, it keeps counties pretty much together and it seems to try to keep municipalities other than the city of Pittsburgh, city of Philadelphia, seems to keep them pretty much together. Are you more or less happy with the way the maps worked out? You know, I just I, I really enjoyed my eight communities in West Monet County. We we were able to drive literally millions of dollars out to those communities over a ten year period. Uh, the local elected officials were great to work with. Um, so yeah, I, I I'll, I'll miss working with them. I do know some of the other communities I pick up. I know some of the elected officials. So the transition will be relatively easy, but it will be easier for us to manage because it will be more compact. Yep. And you mentioned compactness with regard to. Uh, municipalities. They also did it with regard to school districts. Okay. I currently have 19 school districts. Um, so we will lose Kiskey um, and New Kensington and Lower Borough. So I'm, I have to look to map myself, actually, to see that'll leave us with 16. I don't think we pick any new ones up because mm-hmm. I already have part of Woodland Hills and Baldwin Whitehall. So, but yeah, trying to keep the school districts together was a, was a big deal as well, Jason, in that process. Uh, when when are those new maps scheduled to go into effect? Will that be for? I, I mean, I know there's. I believe there's a pending court case right now regarding the congressional maps. But uh, we, we... Chris, once once the Supreme Court um, was presented the map by the five member committee, um, uh, that then there was a there's a thirty day uh, period for uh, review by the public. I believe it ends March seventh. Okay, mm. and I think that's the date. It's either the seventh or the fourteenth, and then at that point in time, uh, the Supreme Court will uh, either sign off or not sign off. And the reason we have to kind of hold the line on those dates is because we have to get petitions out. As you know, yep. normally petitions would be out right now, mm-hmm. um, but now they're going to be delayed about four weeks. We still have time to get petitions out. You have a shorter time to circulate them. Uh, at this point in time, the, the primary has not changed, mm-hmm. um, which is a good thing, in my opinion. But you have a shorter time to um, campaign. Now, what does that mean? There are folks probably out there that are thinking about running, in, for whether it be house rep or whatever, mm-hmm. but they aren't sure what the map's going to say. So, in other words, you may live in a community uh, where you are thinking about running for house rep and end up not living in that district. So. <laughs> You know, there's a, a little bit of unknown, uh, and that's why we're not seeing a lot of new people uh, announce that they're running at this point. But I think you're going to see that heat up in the next three weeks. And, and the reason that we do this is because of the U.S. Census is taken every 10 years, and, and the, the districts are supposed to reflect the, the population shifts, correct? That's correct. And on the Senate side, uh, we, by law, we're trying to maintain 250 to 260,000 people. In in, uh, in a Senate district, mm-hmm. for example, right now I have nine House reps in my Senate district. <laughs> okay, some Democrats, some Republicans. Uh-huh. So it, it, it makes, but, but but we've always had a working relationship. So I'm not complaining about that. But you know, you know, it's it's interesting, Jason. We use this word transparency, you know, every day, and sometimes to nauseam. But I will tell you, the fact of the matter is, the redistricting process is always going to be political. And I, I probably, some may say, why is Jim saying that? Well, I'll tell you why Jim's saying that. Because myself, uh, Senator Pascola, and others 
have introduced bills several years ago to try and make it non-political. In other words, remove mm-hmm. the, the House members and the Senate members. I wanted to make it the academia, mm-hmm. you know, let the University of Penn State, Pitt, Temple, Lincoln, uh, let them drive the process. But even their register, if you had the president of those organizations, they're registered something, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's difficult to, to depoliticize it, but let's, look, let's be very honest with the public. Everybody that's in the General Assembly now is trying to get a district that is favorable to them, whether a Republican or Democrat. That's just the way it is. And, and I don't see that changing. Uh, it's unfortunate. We have to take a 30-second uh, break. When we come back, I do want to talk about this uh, state liquor store uh, issue, but um, there are also some other issues, including uh, we've got a new, you, you mentioned some of the state-affiliated uh, universities, the state system of higher education, including your alma mater, uh, is, has a merger that is going to be coming up pretty soon, and I kind of wanted to get your opinion on that. Is that Okay. That's fine. Uh, You're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport. On Radio 81 WEDO, 1550 and 101.1 WZUM, the Pittsburgh Jazz Channel, and Tube City Online Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Support for this broadcast comes from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. Since 1866, Striffler's has provided compassionate professional memorial services for families in White Oak, McKeesport, Dravosburg, Portview, and the surrounding areas. Striffler's offers comprehensive pre-planning services and aftercare. And through its affiliated company, Design Monuments, Striffler's also provides permanent markers and memorials crafted in stone, bronze, and other high-quality materials. Learn more at Striffler's.com or call 4 one two six seven eight six one nine one. State Senator Jim Brewster is our guest. He represents the forty fifth district, which includes uh, part of Pittsburgh South Hills, uh, most of the Mon Valley, and a little bit of the Alakiski Valley over in Westmoreland County. Although, as we were talking before the break, uh, that is likely to change after the new state senate maps go into effect. Before we get into some of these other issues, Senator, I, I wanted to ask you about your alma mater, uh, California University of Pennsylvania, which is going to be merging with two of the other uh, state system of higher education colleges soon. Um, I've talked privately with some people down there. Some people are excited. Some people are a little bit worried. What's your take? Is this a good thing for the state system of higher education? And, and what does this do for those universities? Well, well we've had a number of public uh, policy hearings on this with the chancellor um, and actually uh, uh, Dr. Dale, who will be overseeing uh, California, uh, Edinburgh and Clarion. And of course, the other uh, part of the merger was uh, Mansfield uh, Bloomsburg, I believe Rockhaven. Mm-hmm. Um, we have that wrong, but so out of the 14 state schools, uh, they're yoking together six of those schools, three in the West and, and three out East. Now, I, I would be honest with you, I, I was opposed to it in the beginning um, because I don't like to see anything dismantled, particularly education. Uh, and people can speculate as to why enrollment may be down. Uh, some of these state schools, uh, my oldest daughter, who, who you know is a uh, was a council member mm-hmm. McKee's board. She went to Mansfield University, mm-hmm. um, and I, I made a number of issues uh, 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 that I thought needed to be addressed. Like you know, for those that graduated from some of these schools, uh, I, I didn't want this to be a a first stage of, of shutting any of the schools down. Uh, I've been assured that that at this point in time, it's not in the plan. It's simply to give an opportunity to gain economies of scale. Uh, on you know on facilities management when you're ordering supplies mm-hmm. and that sort of thing, um, so some of the overhead. But 
you know, I made the case, and, and this was not a criticism, but in the budget, and again, most folks don't know this, but we authorize about $600 million a year for our, what we call the non-preferreds, which is uh, Temple, Penn State, Pitt, and Lincoln. And, and when I talked to the chancellor uh, when he was presenting his plan to, to, to uh, create this yoking uh, uh, process, um, it, it, you know, it's going to take to keep you solid without disadvantaging any of the 14 schools. Yeah. It's like 200 million. The only issue that still exists for me, which was a kind of a big deal, is the NCAA has not ruled. Yeah. These schools are all Division two schools right mm-hmm. now. Now, think about, I, can't, I don't know how many numbers there are, but probably 14 different sports organizations in each school, mm-hmm. men and women, okay, basketball, softball, that sort of thing, football for men. And, you know, there are there are students that are there already, yeah. might be freshmen, uh, and there are some that are being recruited. Uh, and, you know, they're going there because it's a level of college athletics that they've aspired to get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could, it, I guess the NCAA could lower some of them to Division Three, which I'm opposed to, and I hope they don't do that. Uh, but, you know, when you're, you know, when you're trying to guide your, your son or daughter to junior high and high school uh, that want to be on the track team or, or, or good athletes, uh, you know, it's a little disheartening to know that maybe the schools that you may have earmarked as ones you might go to might not have the same uh, classification as they do today. So that issue is still not resolved. Yeah. We're waiting for the NCAA, but I'm optimistic. I'm now a bigger supporter of it than I was before. Okay. Obviously, you know me as being a labor person. I want to make sure that the professors and, and other workers throughout the, the campuses would not be laid off. Uh, so th- that was a big issue for me as well. So We're talking with uh, State Senator Jim Brewster this morning. You, you touched on uh, an issue that w- we mentioned in, in regards to the redistricting, and that was the, you mentioned the student population is down at, at some of these uh, state system of higher education schools, which is what's prompting this, the merger talks. Uh, the, the population of western Pennsylvania, Allegheny County, I guess, in the census actually went up slightly, but uh, Westmoreland County went down. Some of the other counties around Pittsburgh went down. This, is, this has been a, a question that has been asked, again, literally since I've been alive, which is how do we keep people... Uh, staying in Western Pennsylvania, how do we keep people in the district? Um, how do we keep people in in the Mon Valley or in the South Hills or in the, the Alakiski Valley? What what kind of things still need to be addressed in, in your mind? Well, I, it's it's complicated, but I think the major issues are number one. You know, we have to give our young folks a lot a lot of credit because they start thinking about their careers at an earlier age than say I did you know, many years ago. So, number one, we have to create job opportunities, and we're doing that. Uh, Amazon's looking at the area, and I know people may criticize, well, we don't want to be in that business, but if you look at what's going on in Pittsburgh, the growth has been amazing. Uh, We've become the the tech center of the world, literally. Uh, If you look at our medical system, we have some of the greatest uh, and most efficient healthcare systems in the world. Mm -hmm. So I think think we're dealing with the job opportunity. If you look right now, uh, nurses, for example, and teachers, we can't find them. We can't yeah. get enough of them. They're getting recruitment okay? bonuses right now. We right now have a plan in our caucus, Democratic Senate caucus, uh, for $1.5 billion uh, to go into uh, education. And that's, that's a big number. And we're doing that to create uh, scholarship opportunities. Um, and for those who are in private schools, we have the EITC program uh, so that you can go to some of the Catholic schools or private schools. And there's debate about how big that program should be. I support the program. How much money is allocated for it is a discussion. 
the same with Apache schools. Should it be 200 million instead of 75? Uh, basic education. And we have schools, uh, 500, well, 500 public school systems. And some of them, money's not an issue. Mm-hmm. But if you look at my district, you know, Duquesne, Clareton, McKeesport, New Kensington, uh, and Woodland Hills, South Allegheny, I mean, East Allegheny. North New Kensington, it, Arnold, I think it, all of them probably are, because schools in yeah. Pennsylvania are funded by property taxes. Exactly. And we don't want, and so I'm clear, the issue here is not to raise school taxes on the taxpayers. Mm-hmm. That's not, we're trying to avoid that. Okay. And we can't avoid it. Uh, we're sitting in the budget right now as we speak on this, on this call with about $6 billion. Now, how did that happen? First of all, the federal money was a big help. The, the American Recovery Plan was a big help to Pennsylvania and every state. In addition to that, and I know whether people are Democrat or Republican, the fact of the matter is Governor Wolf and his administration, the revenue in the last several months, have they have exceeded plan from last year's budget. I mean, so this may be the first time in history that a governor will leave office and leave a fund balance, federal money aside, uh, based on his previous two-year budgets. And that's so whoever the next governor is going to be, they're going to come in and have money, in addition to the rainy, fund, rainy day fund, as I say. So we've got $6 billion. The debate right now is uh, between the Democrat and Republicans, how do we spend it? Right. Now, we don't want to spend it all. Certainly, we don't want to be to start to throw money away. But education, and, and, and people say our, our biggest asset is our children. Well, if we believe that, we have to make teachers safe, we have to make administrators safe. We have to have uh, parents be comfortable that their schools are safe and their children are in good hands. And we have to provide good quality teachers. Right now, we can't even get substitute teachers yeah. in some schools. We're talking with State Senator Jim Brewster, who represents the 45th District. Time goes quickly, Senator. We have a, another break coming up. When we come back, let's let's talk about this issue of uh, possibly privatizing the state liquor control board uh, liquor store system, uh, the wine and spirit stores in, in particular, okay? That'd be great. Broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes. We'll be back in 30 seconds to wrap things up. You're listening to Two Rivers, 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media, Incorporated. If you've got an idea for someone who you'd like us to interview or a question or comment, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. We're back for a final few minutes with State Senator uh, Jim Brewster. The, the proposals have been going around literally since I was a small child to privatize the state-owned wine and spirits stores in Pennsylvania. Now, there have been a lot of changes in the way liquor and and spirits are sold in Pennsylvania over the past 10 years, let's say. You can now buy beer and wine in supermarkets. There are now a couple of privately owned uh, spirit stores in in Pennsylvania. Um, But if I remember correctly, Senator, you're opposed to privatizing the the state wine and spirit stores. Is that accurate? That's correct, uh, Jason. And and again, I think we just have to be clear and, and honest with the, with the public so they understand what, what, what the situation is. We're sitting with about 589 uh, state stores, okay? Uh, there are folks on the other side of the aisle that create the political rhetoric that we should get out of the business, uh, the state shouldn't be in this business, the private sector can do a better job and create more revenue for the state. Uh, that, as we speak today, is absolutely not the case, okay? Just for the general public, in 2021-22, the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board contributed $813.4 million. 
the general fund. Of that 813, 265 million was profit. What does that mean? Profit means that if we sell the state stores, that 265 or whatever their number might be, depending on the year, goes with the folks that bought the stores. It makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the folks that want to privatize say that that 265 million will be made up in in additional tax dollars from the private sector. I'm willing to bet my job that that's not the case. Not going to happen. And 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 the other issue with me is uh, we're sitting with about 4,200 people that work these state stores. These are folks that make a modest income. They're not getting rich. And I did some double checking on the number of times there's been a violation in a state store for sale to underage folks or to to uh, those who come into the store that are already uh, impaired by uh, alcohol. There's been zero, I'll say it again, zero incidences in the state of Pennsylvania where any of the state stores have ever sold to a, to a visually impaired person or to a juvenile. And I would say to the proponents of privatization, can you guarantee us that there will be zero events uh, at these private entities where you do not have that kind of control? They, they, they have done a million identification checks in the state score system. A million times the state store's employees checked to make sure people were of age. Let me let me and, play devil's and, let me play devil's advocate though. Let me take the other side of the the argument here for for a minute. The the surrounding state there are some other states in the United States that do have state run uh, liquor stores, and and I know in Canada some of the provinces up there have province provincial run liquor stores, but most of the states don't have state run liquor stores anymore. It, it have, has, has there been some out uh, outbreak of of lawlessness in these states? I mean, how how come these states have been able to privatize their liquor store system and, and Pennsylvania has not? Well, that that's an easy question. Uh, but before I answer that, yeah. the state of Washington, as I understand it, privatized. And if you go up there now, they'll tell you that was the biggest mistake they ever made. Okay? Because when you privatize, and as you know, I was a banker, we called it outsourcing. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you send this out, you lose, two things happen. Service levels drop, okay, and prices go up. See, we, we hold a competitive pricing situation here in Pennsylvania, so we can we can make sure that two things happen, that the public have access to alcoholic beverages, number one. And number two, that there's no price gouging. Okay? And I want to say this, too, uh, uh, before I answer your question. Yeah. Uh, the 4,200 employees, it's the only line item in the Pennsylvania state budget where the employees are – the profit they make – pays their salary, their pension, uh, their overhead. It doesn't cost the taxpayers a nickel to have those 4,200 people employed. That is very rare in a, in a state of this size. So it's the only operation that the state has where where they pay their own way, okay? Uh, and, that, and that can be fact-checked as well. But getting back to your point, why have other states done this? Mm-hmm. Well, because you, you know, you, whoever's, whoever's the majority party, they're going to... They're gonna, they're gonna, they're the captain of the ship. And, you know, I, I my position protects it, employees and it protects the taxpayers. I'm not going to give up $800 million in revenue uh, on behalf of the taxpayers just because uh, somebody else thinks that the private sector uh, can do it better. What's going to happen with the private sector is some of these big box stores, they're going to add another zero to their profit. Okay. 
Can they guarantee they'll hire 4,200 people? I mean, so I'm going to protect the taxpayers and the employees. I don't know who the other side is protecting or trying to support. They'll have to explain that to you. But the facts are clear on this. Uh, this, this is an operation uh, where the Pennsylvania citizens and taxpayers um, get 7,000 different varieties uh, through the state store system, retail and wholesale. Um, they get competitive pricing. And, and you're right. You said this earlier. In 2016, we did the modernization bill, Act 39. And, and frankly, that, that has worked out well. You can go into a beer, beer distributor now and buy a case of beer with mm-hmm. four different six packs in. You can you get you can get wine uh, in restaurants, uh, takeout in mm-hmm. taverns. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that happen. Even some Sunday sales yep. at state stores. So uh, no, things have gotten better since 2016, um, and the revenue continues to come in. And very frankly, the stakeholders, whether it's a tavern, a restaurant, uh, a, a beer distributor, uh, whatever. They're all trying to make their business better, and I don't criticize that. Yeah. Okay. But right now, the machine is a well-tuned machine, and it's operating, and everybody is benefiting from the operation as it exists today. So, for, from your perspective, this is a system that is is generating revenue, generating income for the state of Pennsylvania. Um, it is keeping prices competitive, in your opinion. And and if it's not broke, there's not a reason to fix it. When you, if you want to give two hundred sixty-five million dollars away. And you have no idea what they're going to want to pay for these stores. They're going to be undervalued for sure. And, you know, it's just you have to look at, you know, this is a business thing. And, it, you know, I hate to say this. It's like the pandemic. We took a health situation and we made it a political situation. Yeah. Now we're taking an operation and saying, oh, my God, we shouldn't be. Government shouldn't be in this business. We can do it better out here. That is complete speculation at this point and misleading. Prove it. Prove that you can do it better out there. Prove the prices won't go up. We're, now, we, we, I'll say this, and, and this may ruffle a few feathers, but uh, ask the same citizens. You know, we, we automated the, uh, the, the the Pennsylvania Turnpike and and, uh, uh, and, and lost, lost a lot of millions of, of, of tolls. Yeah. Yeah, we lost $104 million in automating. How'd that work out for the taxpayers? Not good. And if you hired all the toll takers back, their total salaries are $70 million. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I support automation. Ohio has a hybrid system. I, w- I was in, in favor of that. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying we shouldn't be looking at automation. I'm not saying we shouldn't looking, be looking at utilizing the private sector in some cases. But there are some cases where you just don't turn the switch and do that. And this is one of them. Uh, we're just about out of time. Give me a commercial for, for your district. You are a, a proud booster of the McKeesport area and of all the communities up and down your district. Give me a, give me a commercial. Why should someone want to relocate into your district, whether, whether it's their business or uh, buy a home there? Well, because, first of all, my local elected officials uh, in these 38 communities are doing a fantastic job. They understand how the grant system works, even though there's some turnover. Our school districts are doing a great job on a little bit of money. If you look at Clariton, what they're trying to do in Clariton, um, in McKeesport, they're really working with a shoestring to try and maximize you know, their, their vision in terms of education. If you look at the mill sites, right here, Jason, in McKeesport, the mill site now is about 200 acres, I think, is I think 100% either leased or sold. Very close uh, to you. Yeah. With the marijuana growing plan here, uh, with, with legalization potentially of, of recreational marijuana, uh, there are opportunities that are popping up everywhere. Transition 
from recovering from the mill, mills being shut down in the 80s. And in 2008, people seem to forget, I was mayor then, this, the second worst uh, financial calamity in the world, uh, the recession. We've had to recover from an awful lot, and it's not going to happen overnight. You're seeing blight being removed and, and businesses popping up, and small businesses are flourishing. So, I mean, you, you have to really want to see the picture. Or do you want to dwell on one street where five houses need torn down? Oh. That's your choice. But the media has been been very helpful in helping to uh, communicate to the public exactly the progress, what progress we've been making. Uh, State Senator Jim Brewster represents the 45th District. You can reach him through his website at SenatorBrewster.com. You can call his district offices. He's got an office in Monroeville at 412-380-2242 or McKeesport 412-664-5200. Senator, thanks for taking some time, and we have to get you back sooner next time. We just barely scratched the surface. And uh, thank you all for listening this week to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at tubecityonline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, the Keysport PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at TubeCityOnline. Online.